is a country beyond that which is known to humankind. A stray country. A country that exists west of October. Whose borders are somewhere between midnight train whistles and the distant hell of a dog. A country that lies somewhere in the stitched and jittering static between radio stations. A country that drifts to America like a traveling salesman. But every now and then stops to nest on a small town. A small church. A single street. And maybe, just maybe, some kind of delayed radio broadcast you've stuffed in your ears. Chapter 42 The Merry-Go-Round Murder Scene The fire cracked, the logs popped, the three sat in the living room, maybe once called a parlor. It was quiet. Outside, Autumn was a bad kid throwing a tantrum. It threatened to rip the shingles off the roof. The wind pushed the house around. The wood groaned back. The wind backed off, came around again, pushed the house around. The wood pushed back. The wind backed off. The dance went on. The clock ticked. Three in the morning. But where did such a line sack of shit phrase come, wondered Billy. Nothing about three resembled morning. Three in the morning. No. Three in the bog of night. The old man rose to wind the clock. Did not want it to slow. Miss a tick. Fumble a talk. Needed every single one, every piece of straw time to pile up to a haystack dawn. Billy looked around. Felt safe in this home of a Luddite, where clocks had to be wound and televisions had not come to visit and stay too long. In this house where the garbage can didn't reek of TV dinners and tins of microwave lasagna, Billy felt very safe in the dark. Around the fire, the oldest form of light besides the sun. Safe. Strangely, because night sweating man's first instinct is to flip on a switch. But juicing the light bulbs just didn't feel safe anymore. Flipping a switch and steaming the wires with hot fuzz just offered all or out their hiding spot. Their position, like American soldiers blaring ghetto blasters for Viet Cong ears. The clock was wound. The old man returned to his Queen Anne armchair, sat and fiddled his cigarette, bowled the world through it, pushed his memories out the end, Filtered the world in. Salted his lungs and breathed back out. It didn't work as good dry. He watched the fire. Wanting to stand again. Walk over. Dip the long coffin tic-tac into the flames. 
Let him make the cigarette alive. Let it begin to kill the young smokerette, and he, the janitor, huff along on the sweet life cycle of this six-minute zoetrope reel for the lungs. You want to light it, don't you? Billy said. The janitor nodded. Why don't you? Billy asked. Jack listened. The old man thought. Because the truth was, yes, the old man wanted to breathe in the whole life of one little cigarette and stew on memories on parade. Sit in the past, smoking in quiet silence. The old man didn't know how to answer that question. What's so great about smoking? Jack asked. The old man didn't know how to answer that question. The clock tallied away the night, one tick at a time. The cigarette sat between a janitor's lips, waiting to burn. The janitor plucked it like a flower, looked at it between his fingers like this was all play, and he, some actor, always tripped up by the scene, had written his next line on this stage prop. Because smoking's the best way to relive your life. Because smoking makes you sit still. Makes you run your lungs proper. And you can taste, in the dying moments of a cigarette's short life, all the dying moments of your own life. Yeah, smoking makes no sense when you're young. Makes no sense at all. Because there are no dead moments to relive when you're young. No dead spouses, or shipwrecked marriages, or even your own goddamn children sleeping in some cemetery somewhere getting mixed up with the roots of some tree. <clears throat> smoking young makes no sense. But smoking old, smoking when you're old, makes all the sense in the world. Because you watch the cigarette born and die in about six minutes. And each drag takes you back to some moment where you tasted death. You suck, and your grandpa's funeral is on the tip of your tongue. You gasp, and your wife's suitcase back for the last time is in the doorway. You huff, and your stillborn baby cries for the last time. You shuck, and taste the tears from the time the violinist went away without saying goodbye. You inhale, and you remember what Dad looked like broken, crying over spilled milk because Mama had left him too. Smoking only makes sense old. Breathing oxygen raw is for the young. A young man's game. Oxygen straight. That's for the living. And who's more alive than the young? You need that air. You don't want nicotine, linens, and tobacco ghosts clogging up your pipeline to the world. Because being young is hard, no matter what anyone says. And you need your full lungs to survive the day. So when you kiss Cynthia Caulfield, you need every inch of your lungs to gasp, or you'll die. When you get your driver's license, you need to breathe full, or you'll suffocate. You need to run. Fast as you can, hard as you might, feel the world slip by under the thunder of legs. That's important. Or when you're old, you'll croak of a broken heart 
And how can you run if you don't got your full lungs? You'll get socked in the stomach. Some bully's fist will rob you of every corner of your lungs for 12 seconds and you have to be able to suck straight air back in. If you're used to filtering the world through a cigarette, you'll never stand back up. You'll stay down when bullies hit you and they'll take a chunk of your lungs, laughing away. The boys blinked. The old man tapped dust off the end of his unlit cigarette, placed it on his lips. Yes, breathing crude oxygen is for the young, but you get to a point where it's harder and harder to do. You have to taste it all while you're young. You have to fill your lungs while they're fledgling. Because it changes, and it's hard to see when. It's not overnight, that's for certain. But someday, in some park somewhere, you take a breath and realize you can't taste the summer like you used to. No. Too much interference. Because you're sitting in the park. But part of you is elsewhere. Maybe... Part of you is still in the office, talking about the business of second-class mailing privileges. And part of you is talking to the bill collector. And part of you is thinking about a woman, and how to say it, or what you said wrong. And sometimes it's three different women, because you're wondering how to say something right to the new one, and what you said wrong to the last one, and then your mother... And my point is, as you get older, it gets harder and harder to take in the oxygen of the world. Raw, anyhow. And someday you sit in the park and breathe the air. But you realize you're not really breathing the air like you used to. And then 20 years pass and you're sitting in the same park and you're trying to suck the air. But you realize you can't taste the air at all. No. In fact, something is dead. Changed. Different. But there is no murder scene. No criminal investigation. There has been a death. Maybe a murder. But by age. So how do you prosecute? What do you do? When someone dies of old age. You don't call the police. Because what would they do? And so. Back to the park. Sometimes, some age, and it differs per person, but it does come with age. You'll sit in the same park and suck the same air and realize you can't taste it at all, but can only taste the memory of it. You're tasting the last time you tasted it, and so you go back to the park, not to drink new oxygen, but to taste old oxygen, but more and more it's harder to sniff yesterday. The further away you are by years, the harder it gets to pick up the scent. It hurts something inside your heart to understand your taste of yesterday is going away. Dead. Like trying to spend an evening with Grandpa again. But Grandpa's dead, and so you summon forth the pictures from the attic, and they sort of work. At first... For an evening, and you get to see Grandpa, and you're flooding your mind with memory, and that's a good high, but it works less on the second night, and less on the third, and the more you look at the pictures, the more you realize Grandpa's gone. And that's what sucking oxygen in the park is like, and that's why I turned to smoking. The air was just full of too many good memories. Good, good memories. Not bad memories. Good memories 
can be worse than bad memories. Bad memories are a fuel, a coke for the oven. There are a lot of people who steam through life burning the coal of bad memories. But good memories, those are tricky. What do you do with the grandpa who scared you? The grandpa who hit you? He dies and you say good riddance. He croaks and you smile at a funeral. But what do you do with the dead grandpa who made you smile? What do you do with a gone grandpa who seemed to steady the world? You look at old photographs and write down memories, sure. But for how long? And the more you look at old photographs and spend your days in the movie house of yesteryear, the more you feel grandpa gone. And that's why it makes sense to smoke when you're old boys. You get to a point in life where all the good memories would cattle run you to smithereens if you didn't do something about them. And so, you start to burn things. You sit and torture your lungs and somehow you feel better. You stop by the park and sniff the strange concoction of seasonal air and suddenly you're taken back to picnics with the girl of your dreams and it's just too much because you know how the story ends. You know who dies of cancer and who can't stop tipping the bottle and who crossed the street at the wrong moment and who never woke up and what river trip they shouldn't have gone on and who didn't get to blow out 35 birthday candles and whose last words were I'm okay or can you give me a tell and who the widows are and who knows which strong men were beaten by a cold, the sniffles. You know which funny guys were laughed out of life, which quiet girls went away quietly, and it's all too much. And so you can't take all the smells you stockpiled on accident while you were young, and you strike a match. You take all your kid collection of life perfumes and you spark a lighter, because you can't survive the hailstorm of scents with their film house reels and toe playing goody tissue memories, and you reach for a cigarette. You step outside at night and all your friends from your youth are out playing night games and you realize not a one of you had ever been burnt by the fireflies and you get this lunatic urge to set fire to your lungs and it makes sense. The scientists get it. Say your sense of smell is your strongest sense, the one most trailer hitched to yesterday's. Billy blinked. Jack blinked. The old man withdrew his cigarette, looked at the funny thing in his hand, looked to the fire, wanted to combine the two good things. Outside the wind flicked the straw man season. That answer your question. The boys blinked. I think so. Billy leaked. The janitor nodded. Like it had answered his. The clock marched on towards dawn. What happened to your wife? Billy asked slowly. Carefully. The old man watched his fingers roll a cigarette. The fire cracked off in the deep end of the room. How did you know I was married? Asked the old man slowly. Carefully, Billy blinked. I guess I thought you said something that first night in the school. And you're still wearing your ring, Jack added. The old man nodded, 
like he'd known it all along. The janitor planted his cigarette back on his lips. A lot of good memories. His eyes watched the fireplace. Maybe too many. He pulled the matchbook from his pocket, struck one alive, brought it near the cigarette, watched the boys watch him. Jack blinked. Billy blinked. The old man looked to the flame, ready to kiss the Gasper. Looked to the boys. The match burned low. He waved it out. 33 seconds of shutter-banging wind played outside. Why didn't you light it? Billy asked. The janitor watched the smoke come off the burn match. Because I haven't smoked one in 20 years. Yeah, but Jack's voice trailed off. The old man looked at him. Outside, the mummy understudy leaves cracked in the wind. Inside, the burnt witch logs cracked in the fireplace. What are you waiting for? Jack asked. I don't know. The right time. How will you know? Billy asked. The old man dragged his lungs through the unlit tube. No, no. The storm roughed up the house, settled down. When did you start smoking? Billy asked. When? Or why? Chevers more important, I guess. The man took a drag. No smoke filled the room. <clears throat> I started smoking because I was afraid to get old. But doesn't smoking make you old? Jack asked. Yes, but do you boys know how? The boys shook their heads. Well, most people think smoking heaps a lot of lines and wrinkles into your body. But that's not true. It only looks like that. Smoking makes you old. Not by collecting old things inside you. Smoking makes you old by burning away the young things. You look at someone what's smoked 40 years and they look like a junkyard of age, a roadshow of years. But the cigarettes didn't make them any older than they would have been. Cigarettes just torched all the young parts of them. You look at a 60 year old what's never smoked a day in his life and you're seeing a real grab bag of memories. 
summers at the lake, fishing with Uncle Rick, potato sack races, hot dogs and baseballs, fireworks, fire balloons, marriage, kids, camping trips as the uncle, teaching sons how to balance checkbooks, wives how to hold a hammer, daughters how to plan for retirement. All the mixture of life, but you look at a six-year-old smoker and all that young stuff is gone. Yesterday's fireplace, poetry, turned to ash. You don't see summer camp, don't hear festival music, don't smell daisies in their hair or salt water on their skin. All that good stuff, the victim of arson. You look at a smoker age 60 and all you see is bad teeth and social security application forms, and mouthfuls of crowns, and bad tears from good kids gone wrong. That's why smokers look so old. Smoking cigarettes is just a kind of arson. But the janitor cocked an eyebrow. Aren't you afraid to die? Billy asked. The man answered without a pause, like he had been studying for this question all his life. You boys don't get it. You're young. But you get my age, and it seems like death is kind of the point of living. Who would want to live forever? What would you do? There comes an age where the state fair no longer thrills you. The daffodils no longer move you. Autumn doesn't mean piles of leaf for the jumping and permissible arson. A time comes where the old season isn't fun anymore because it's too good a metaphor for your own life, your own age, in winter. Why do you think the old folks turn into snowbirds? Because they can't stand to look winter in the face. Feel like they're looking at themselves in the mirror. Can't stand to look out their windows and see great snowdrifts husking around on a Jack Frost day, hearing God's dandruff speak to the dust in their bones, calling them home. Ah, oh, that's what snow is, boys. A reminder to old people of the day the train ends. The last stop. The day their skeleton crawls out of their bodies. The color reminds them of their hair. The flakes remind them of all the dust settled on their bones. The sound, that winter hush, the fresh snow muting the world, reminds them of their own voice, grown quiet, soft, and soon to be casket shut up. I probably shouldn't tell you boys. The janitor looked out the window, saw the storm kicking the shit out of everything. Tell us what? Jack asked. Storms, the janitor muttered, took a drag through his dry cigarette. They know how to put on a show, but they've forgotten how to tell a story. Used to be storms were honest, homespun types, something whistling solo in the graveyard, but something's changed. They're all Sam Slick now, hell-bent on opening all the stops on the organ, their disposition's all wrong, like it's all about the banging of old screen doors on the wind, making fun of the leaves and the power, the frightened children. All about firefly fix-ups, stray notes, and Hollywood lighting. And when was the last time you saw a storm? His voice went away somewhere. Tell us what.
tell us what? Jack asked again. The janitor blinked himself back inside. Don't get old. Don't get old? How the hell you do that? Jack asked. No, no. My grandma used to say it. Never told me how to do it. She died at 93. 93. Closer I get to her age, more I understand why she said it. Why... Why did she say it? Asked Billy. The janitor looked to the boys. Looked to the window. Heard something in the wind at night. The boys could almost see the scales in his eyes. Should he? Shouldn't he? Should he? Shouldn't he? Should he tell the boys? Tell us. Billy asked. The janitor looked to the boys. Looked to the window. Saw the storm beating the shit out of the stagnant waters of suburban houses. Knew it was a bad night to be on the lake. You should be afraid to grow old. The clock ticked on every word and echo. Afraid, Billy whispered. No old person had ever told them that. Never admitted it to the boys. Why? Jack asked. Dying old is wonderfully great for your survivors. When Grandma dies in 93 and has been talking about it for 11 years, it's great for you and grandkids. That's great for her kids. Great for all the family. But what grandma wouldn't tell me, you, anyone except through offhand comments like getting old is for the birds and half-tongue slides like old age is the pits. Except through rail warnings masquerading as a joke is something very, very scary. The boys blinked. You shouldn't be afraid to grow old. Why? What happens? The boys sat on chairs' edges, afraid to drop a word. The janitor stood up and threw some more wood on the fire, stood over, watched the fire, like it was his form of TV. The clock played harmony to flame. You live long enough to see the world turn into a place where you no longer belong. The boys blinked. The logs cracked. You see renters move into your home. While you're still there, they paint the walls a different color. Yard sale the furniture your grandfather made in England because it looks old. Put carpet over the floors your father built with trees he cut down himself. They sterilize the whole goddamn house because they're afraid of getting old too. So the fridge has to go. Not because it doesn't work, but because it's the last decade's color and no one wants the last decade's color clinging to them because it would be a reminder of something their bones knows, but no one wants to admit. Then they are a time bomb of years, a landmine of decades, ticking away madly, throbbing towards the cemetery at 140 some odd beats per minute. 
And they're afraid. And we're all afraid, every one of us in this goddamn country. And so that's why they build fridges that won't last. Not to rip you off, but because they know no one wants to keep a fridge more than 15 years because it reminds them of the tombstone in their shadow. And no one wants to buy boots that are worth resoling because who wants to put them on one day and realize they've had them 40 years. And if you've had them 40 years, then by God, you must be how old. So they make them cheap. They build them to break. And we all ride the carousel again. Head to the shopping malls to buy something we've already bought a hundred times just to snort the brand new smell. The one drug Nancy Reagan didn't add to her just say no campaign because she's an addict too. We're all afraid to get old and that means we're addicted to feeling young and that runs counter to our bloodstream and everyone knows it but won't admit it. And since we can't shoot up youth, not yet anyways, we do the next best thing which is overdose on every brand new good scent we can find. Boots and cars and vacuums and the new scent of Tide different from last year and the scent of cracked cellophane and redesigned cereal boxes and the incense of plastics from China and pairs of jeans that just won't ever smell new after they're washed one time and this is how we lose track of time. This is what keeps us from smelling ourselves. This is how none of us know how old we really are. The janitor standing above the fireplace sucked charlogged air through his cigarette. It almost felt like smoking. It's a brand new world, and I don't belong, and that means someday you won't either, because there's an old person locked up inside you, trying to escape. Digging a tunnel to freedom right this moment, and sure, it's with a spoon. Sure, it'll take time, but he'll never quit. Never take a day off, never stop to rest, never fall asleep. But the old man deep inside you is tunneling to the surface as we speak. That's why you should be afraid of getting old. And because the country gets to a point where it says you're no good to us anymore. We have a brand new place for you, and they ship you off to a spanking new building built last year. A building made for old folks. And what kind of fucked up logic is that? Think about it, boys. Do you think Grandma wants to lose her mind in a place that only reminds her she has no place left in the world? Why not put old folks in homes as old as they are? Like homes they grew up in. Isn't that the natural order of things? To find a home like Grandma's childhood home and take her back to stoke good memories as she's on her way out. Yeah, that would be the humane thing to do. Yes, that would be how Grandma would want to go. But no, that's not what we do here in our country. We send them to a slaughterhouse for humans because we're too busy binging on new to stop and ask questions. Too busy looking forward to next season, new trends, what's coming down the pike, what might happen tomorrow. Anymore, people like the previews more than the main attraction. And isn't it all fucked up? Isn't logic like that? Some other slice of rotten cake. The janitor 
looked at the clock. Only 3.30. Dawn was still a long ways off, tucked deep into the hills. But something in the wild sounded closer than the dawn. He listened. Didn't hear it again. Finished his train of thought. The ad men have convinced us it's not about what Grandma wants, but what she deserves. And maybe they're right. Maybe, after a whole life of binging badly on consumer goods, we deserve to be slaughtered by time in a bland, bill yesterday box, watched by a brand new caregiver every single day. The boys blinked. Billy thought of Eddie Schneider's room. He had bought it all. But was any of it his? Jack thought about everything he had ever heard Jenny Hale say. Had she composed a single word? Or just borrowed it all? The storm pissed wind down the chimney. It almost put out the flames. Slaughterhouse, Billy asked. Yeah, the janitor blew air through his cigarette. What is an old folks home but a slaughterhouse for humans? <sighs> and why call it a slaughterhouse? That's your question, isn't it? Because the less and less, I think we have much in common with our human ancestors. Hmm. <sighs> More and more I wonder, think, fear, we have more in common with the pigs. And isn't that what society has become? The janitor looked to the boys. A machine for pigs. The fire blinked. The clocks ticked. What kind of machine? Billy asked. A cigarette tilted. No, no. Half slaughterhouse. More ride. Like an amusement park. Billy said. The janitor tipped his cigarette. A carousel. Jack said. Very, very quietly. All three nodded. Yes. Something about the way the country moved. Felt like a carousel for pigs. <laughs>